Grab a seat at the bar to join us for another episode of McAnally's Pubcast, a podcast exploring the fun and fantastical mind of Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files series. Hosts Tans and Jess, and maybe bring you another round of literary analysis on this immense, immersive, and colorful environment inhabited by Harry Dresden, the world's only licensed private investigator and professional wizard. Join an active and engaged community of new and diehard dedicated fans focused on the fabulous themes, theories, characters, context, lore, and more. This is McAnally's Dresden Files podcast by Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk. Welcome to the McAnally's podcast brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. This is episode 9.16, Get a Haircut, where we are covering the novel Summer Night. My name is Tansen, and I'm joined by Bangy. Hello, hello. And Jess. Oscar. Meyer Wiener. Chapter 22. Dresden and Murphy recover from the attack while at Billy and George's. Murphy is taken to the hospital, and Meryl and Dresden talk. While Dresden processes all that has happened, an unnatural storm develops on the horizon. Okay, so here you go, Jessica, as you're all like, there's not going to be a crime scene and blah, 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 or whatever you were just saying. That's basically what Billy gets into. So yeah, we discover that you've gone to the Alphas, and they're all, like, sort of the whole gang is there, the unnamed sort of dozen or so of them that apparently exist. And I love how they're all in, like, you know, the, like, tearaway clothing, basically. They're all, like, just in, like, sweats and knit, t- you know, things. Snap <laughs> pants. Yeah, basically, right, that they can just, like, pushing, pushing, and... Um, but yeah, but Billy's like, well, first he's impressed that Murphy went at this, like, the ogre and everything with a chain. We're like, where did you get a chainsaw? <laughs> it's like, it's fucking Walmart, that's where. Where'd you get the, I don't know, that's where'd you get the gas for? I liked that they explained where the gasoline came from. Yes. I was wondering that myself. That, what, right, because I was like, you can get a lot of things at Walmart, but there's not usually, but yes. Yeah. Thankfully, they also have a generator. Good follow-up. So siphon follow that, up. right? Yeah. Right. But yeah, he's all like, why haven't we heard about this mind fog thing? Like, if people can do that, that should be a thing. And Harry's like, well, it's not really all that common, like, even in my circles, because you're not supposed to do it. And he's like, I don't know if, you know, fairies and stuff could uh, pull it off there or whatever. So he's like, chances are no one's going to remember. They'll just, you know, say it's a ghastly. And Billy's like, that's stupid, though. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And Justin's like, yeah, well... <laughs> I was like, it's kind of like, you know, I'm like, this basically goes back to the same thing you were saying in the first chapter, the second chapter of the park, you know, where Billy's like, oh, yeah, they said there was like a tornado in Louisiana that scooped up in dozens. Like, you'd think it's magic would be a more logical explanation than, you know, a tornado carrying frogs up to Chicago or something like that, right? And that was kind of going the other way around, where Billy's like, well, that's dumb. Like, what? And he's like, well, yeah, but people aren't going to want to admit, like, they don't know. So, yeah, like, this is kind of what I was saying. Like, there's no, going to be no bodies or anything, so there's not a crime so basically, once everybody starts coming out of that mind fog, really all they're going to see is a roughed up garden center because most of the action happened there. Nothing really much happened in the store. So they're going to find like a chainsaw and some messed up plants and a broken fence, right. you know, and that's about it, which could. So, I mean, yeah, depending the, the on Occam razor on this in this instance for them is not actually going to be magic. It's, it's yeah, they're right. It's like, is Walmart going to want to bother to go through the hassle of doing some kind, you know, pressing chart or whatever, right? They're probably going to think that either some customers or some employees got up to some mischief or something like that, right? And again, since you know, presumably there's usually an all manager or something on shift and they're not going to know what the fuck is going on. They're not going to want to admit that they have no idea what the fuck happened during, you know, like, so yeah, I get it. So I just like how, you know, it's choose like, Hey, they'll come up with the, you know, gas explanation, but it's like, but there's not going to be a leak and there's not going to be a fire and nothing's going to show up at the gas company. And Justin's like, yeah, what do you do? <laughs> you know? It's like, I feel you, Billy. We really do. We all question this and everything, but yes, just <laughs> nobody's really going to want to go there and deal with it. And, you know, look like they're incompetent or whatever. So. Get real, Billy. Exactly. No one cares about how the garden center at Walmart fucking sets up. Exactly. <laughs> Weirder things have probably happened at a, at a, a Walmart anyway. Uh, really. That's on. true. There is a whole website dedicated to that. <laughs> <laughs> This is, yeah, probably the least of the weird things that they've seen happen. This is a Tuesday on the people of Walmart. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, nobody's checking license plates there. <laughs> they just, yeah, it'll all just be whatever. <laughs> Somebody on a meth high. Woo! Woo! 
Ooh, right? Chicago, this shit happens all the time. <laughs> Georgia convinces Karen to go to the hospital for her injured knee. Yeah. She finally agrees, but is resistant. And, and Dresden, of course, does that. that uh, remind her the stop being part of the problem. Yeah, if this was your guys, yeah. you'd be like just, but yeah. Ms. Murphy. Anyone who mops up my blood can call me Karen. <laughs> Except for you, Dresden. You still have to call me Murphy. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> you, you, you cause the blood usually. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, they figure that she's done some serious damage, so if she doesn't want a whole bunch of expensive operations and like months and months of right. of you better just rehab. go get this ch- yeah, rehab. Yeah, let's go get this right now. So, so and yeah, Karen's on like, fire, so it's not covered in well, a and that's it, dude. Like that's kind of I think the hardest thing Murphy has to deal with when her job is when shit like this happens. You know, it's like, I'm sorry, I'm, like, the chief of my department, but I now have to take, like, three weeks off to recover from, like, a broken leg. That happened while I was not on official police visit, you know? It's like, how often she gets, you know? I'm like, I don't know, is that a thing? What do you do? Just be like, uh, some thug I put away jumped me in an alley. Like, how do you, I would you say, know, like, really like, accident prone. Yeah, well, it's like... All you, those family barbecue football matches. I... What I was going to say is, like, you can't even really blame it on, like, an Aikido, because then they did. Like, I feel like that's a thing they could eventually be, like, we're banning you from, you know, competing because you just constantly go and get injured. So You know what I mean? So she'd have to be careful with whatever excuses and stuff she did use or come up with, right? But once again, um, so, yeah. So, yeah, she gets all whiny. She wants to eat first. (laughs) She's like, fine. (laughs) But, yes. But this is a great little exchange here, too, while they're waiting. So George is like, I'll go pull a car around and stuff like that. And then Billy and them are all going to carry her down. And she's like, meh. You know, Dresden's all like, whatever, get better soon kind of a thing. And she's like, yeah, you're lucky I was there. And he's like, I was lucky you were there, you know. And she's like, well, I see it. I put on the boots. Right. And he's like, what? Okay. Uh. <laughs> she's like, well, I took out the ghoul. And I, like, hamstrung the ogre. And I killed that plant monster thing. And she's like, what did you do? Throw, like, a can of Sterno? Like, that's barely an assist. <laughs> and he's like, I did stuff. She's like, mm, Murphy 3, Dresden 0. <laughs> she did at the same time also reassure him, like, that it's that wasn't his fault. Because she knows that he will take try to take all of, well, yeah, all she, of the responsibility for it. Yeah, she's not blamed. But I just, like, yeah, I love how she's like, I'm the one that did all the work. Like, I did that. Like, I put on the boots. And he's like, okay, Murphy, you got boots. <laughs> <laughs> And from she's her like, perspective, yeah. she's not wrong. No, she's not wrong. I just I just love this sort of nonsense exchange where she's like, I fucking did everything. You did nothing, Mr. Powerful Wizard Guy. Like, I took out, like, all the bad guys, basically. <laughs> and and just, again, Dresden is just like, what is this analogy? Like, boots, what boots? What the fuck? Like, I put on the boots. Like, okay, you put on the boots. Like, I don't know what the fuck that means, but okay, Murph. <laughs> I wonder how that went for Butcher writing it, though, if that was an accidental that he kept making Murphy get the last shot. And finally, he's like, oh, wait a second. Or if that was, like, the intent the whole time but it's just very funny uh, like, yeah. oh yeah yeah <laughs> harry was just the assist the whole time <laughs> right like yeah murphy <laughs> qb minor by QB. is he again it's all that magic stuff you know it's all intangible and you can't you know you could see what Mur- murphy's like you know, can't see you wiggle your fingers and make stuff happen like, you know? <laughs> it's like no man i was one fucking like yeah chainsaw and as far as i know dude. all you did was tie a piece of hair around my R- finger like yeah, yeah, and trip yeah. me up. Deal. Trip me up with some fucking marbles. <laughs> you know, this is like, your fault, actually. Now that I think of this, right? uh, he also named one of the monsters. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So I thought of a neat name for it that I sort of heard from someone else. Uh, so, anyways, yeah. So he's all like, "Oh, you shouldn't have had to," and she's, you know, get hurt and take on, you know, protecting other people. And she's like, "Yeah." She's like, "No one should," you know. Newsflash: We live in an imperfect world, Justin. <laughs> like, which again, I'm like, I get what you're saying, but I was like, pretty much that's any cop, you know. Like, they are all taking on the protection and whatever. And, like she said it before in previous or coming books or whatever, you know. That's like she's the one that puts herself out there to get shot at so that some citizen doesn't have to, you know. It's like that is the whole thing. But yeah, it's kind of funny. She's like. Duh. Like, hello, this is... <laughs> that is my job, Dresden. That is my job. Take me seriously. Yeah. So yeah. They, they, they put her on a blanket and they carry her down the stairs and they take her off to the hospital. Right. Yeah, and he escapes to the... Because like you say, there's still, you know, whatever, a dozen of them so chattering and whatever. So he escapes to the balcony. <laughs> before he grabs more pizza, but uh, but before this, when they described all the alphas, how they've all like leaned up, but, but oh, it seems yes. like they're still living off of pizza and like diet coke. They, they're still <laughs> college students. <laughs> still, Damn it! But, I wish I could be lean like that and live off of pizza and diet coke. Come on, yeah, be a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. oh! It's simple. <laughs> just that is the workout. Just start running around on all fours. <laughs> It'll help tone those, you know, chest and shoulder muscles along with legs. <laughs> 
Um, but yes, he's, he's like, yeah, he's like, they're not like a Hollywood, you know, glamour gang or anything like that. But yeah, they basically all shed, you know, the, the pimply skin and the baby fat and the, you know, it's like, yeah, they're all like, you know, toned up in the hole. So yeah, he, uh, grabs more pizza, goes out on the balcony for a little bit of quiet air, puts down his Coke and pizza and immediately has somebody say hello, scare the crap out of him, knock his pizza down. (laughs) Not the pizza. No. But the good news is, you know, they can't be that high up because, you know, when he dropped her off before and Georgia was sitting out on the, you know, I'm like, so at least they're probably like, you know, second or third floor. At least they're not like the time I accidentally knocked a glass highball glass off like the 17th Rocks glass. floor. Ooh, yeah. That's attempted murder, right? Yeah, how did anybody be it? Yeah. Thank- That's at least manslaughter. Thankfully, you know, it was 2 a.m. and there was not anybody in the parking lot. Of the- also, it was not my house. So, you know. So tracking me it's down. not my murder. <laughs> exactly. I just, like left and you know. can't find me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, yeah. Anyways, um, yes, we found out it's it's, it's uh, Meryl. She's like, oh, sorry about that. And um, oh, I really like their talk with this one. How she's sort of, she, we get this view of of Dresden from the eyes of other people. Yes, her cool. And I'm like, uh, she's awfully well informed about everything. Right. <laughs> um, it's different than he expected. Depends on who's talking. The she crowd thinks you're an interesting mortal pet of Mab's. The vampire wannabe crowd thinks you're some kind of psychotic vigilante with a penchant, penchant for vengeance and mayhem. Sort of a one-man Spanish Inquisition. Most of the magical crowd thinks you're, think you're, you're distant, dangerous, but smart and honorable. Crooks think you're a hitman for the outfit, or maybe one of the families back east. Straights think that you're a fraud trying to bilk people out of their hard-won cash, except for Larry Fowler, who probably wants you on the show again. I think you need a haircut. That whole thing is awesome. It is. It's a yeah. real nice little sum up of Love everything. Love that sum up, yep. Well, and he's got such like multifaceted behaviors, so yeah. it's not surprising that... Well, we see get all these different views. Well, we see all of that play out throughout the books, right? Yeah, and I was going to say, it all depends at which angle you're coming from, right? As to exactly which, you know, like I say, to the bad guys, you're a scary boogeyman. You know, to the good guys, you're a hero, you know? So and he it's definitely like, needs a haircut. He definitely <laughs> needs a haircut. But I like her question to him, too, about, like, what's it like to be a wizard? And his explanation for that, too. And he's like, it's kind of like being a watch fob repairman. He's like, it's both difficult and not in demand. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. You know? But, yeah. But he sort of gets a little... Because at first she's like, does it hurt? And he thinks she's talking about her hand. He's like, ah, oh, it's not bad. She's like, no, no, no. Like, seeing your friends get hurt. And gets... You know, he's like, what the fuck? Of course, you know? And she's like, well... Right? Like, this is it, as we don't know, you know? And this is where it breaks down into the whole thing of, like, what people think of you and what you're, you know? But she's like, I like that, to see that, yes, that part is true, that it does bother you that your friends are, you know, you're not as careless or as hardened or, um, you know, whatever, uh, jaded or whatever as, you know, like, some of these people would make you out to be unethical or whatever. Like, yes, exactly. Like, yeah, shit happens and people get hurt. But you're not just throwing your friends out there as, like, cannon fodder right. or whatever. Well, he really does it's, have everyone's yeah. best interest in mind. Yeah, she's like, you Even are at his con- own expense. Right. As evidenced, even when, you know, he kept trying to say, I can't take your case, I can't take your case, I can't take your case. Oh, fuck, I'll take your case. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, yes, I need the money for it, too, but, you know. So, yeah, so then we find out a little bit about her and a general sense about what changelings, like, you know, specific to her, but how, you know, she's like, basically everything is kind of the same as regular kids growing up until about puberty and that's when your other side starts kicking in and for her it was all this super strength and anger and you gotta think like one I can't help with I mean again not that I know anything about farm equipment but it almost sounds a little bit like like the action movies like I just think of that and I can't remember now who it was for but there's that one commercial where like the shopping cart is like rolling down the road and eventually it goes off the cliff and then it like blows up at the bottom <laughs> right? so, the you know, it's a shopping cart it's a shit. It, and that's why I was like, I can't remember now well, who it was like for, it. but it was, exactly. It's like, you know, just this lone shopping cart that comes rattling down, but eventually, like, the road curves or something like that, so the cart just rattles on off the edge, and once it goes over the edge, next thing you know, you guys are Because <laughs> inevitably, anytime something goes off a cliff, it but just when she's saying this, and she's like, yeah, tractor flipped over to her brother, and then eventually caught on fire or whatever, and I'm just like... I guess maybe it depends, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know, like they're not usually really fast moving or anything, you know, tracks are just kind of plodding along, but then all of a sudden just like, 
I'm like, I get it rolling over. I get it pinning your brother. I was like, I don't know about the catching on fire part, but whatever. The point is, is she's 12 years old and she flips a tractor off of him and like carries him a couple of miles back to the house. Right. So, um, girls yes. got some pipes. Girls got some pipes. And then that was when her hair changed color and everything the next morning. So he's like, oh, troll. Yeah, she does admit it that it would be easier to just choose the, the, the she half and not actually have to deal with all of the, the human aspects. of Life and adulting is hard. That sucks. And she's not loving it. And unless she's cheating, which she could very well be, she's probably in around 21 because she's sitting there drinking a beer. So she doesn't necessarily have to be of age, but you know. That's a house party. It's a house party, but Billy and his buds are all pretty wholesome and... You know, I'm like, they're out there doing their vigilante. I don't know that a lot of them are, you know, underage drinking Sounds like she's not. pretty sneaky, though. So I kind of took it that she just, like, climbed up to the balcony. <laughs> she wasn't invited to the party. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Cause, I like, thought she just kind of, like, was on the balcony. She, she is, because she says in a minute she's going to go check on Fix, who's sleeping. Mm. So she did not. I know, and I'm like, you don't really see that part. But the last we saw her was when she hired Dresden in the alley and... Billy was there and that so maybe since she couldn't go back to her apartment because that's been ransacked and where Lily was potentially Mm -hmm. kidnapped from Mm -hmm. and other stuff that maybe when he sent Billy off to go um, call morgues and things like that that maybe he just ended up being like you guys got somewhere to go and Meryl's like I don't know not really everyone's dying and missing and maybe oh, Billy yeah. was like well come on back to our they, place they and that like way we can the, the, the collectors of lost souls a little bit right plus again you know like well then when we turn something up you'll know like again, again how the Dresden will be contacting us if there's a way to see might as well be where we're gonna teach you how to be a wolf right exactly can you imagine like a werewolf troll yeah Ooh, that'd be big scary and vicious coming to get you but yeah she's basically you know she kind of is like I would all already sometimes just have but you know i have my friends and they sort of need you know she is kind of the most take charge the mom of the group kind of a thing exactly right but she's like sometimes and dresden's all like oh it did turn you into a monster she's like but a happy monster (laughs) like that i can you know i do get in some way you're right if you have no conscience and no morals then you just don't give a shit about any of that stuff so much simpler but there anyways, are no rules. There's, right? You can't break the rules if there are none and you can't worry about anything if you have no conscience or soul or whatever. So, <laughs> But yeah, so she kind of asks him where he's going next. And he's like, eh, try and figure some things up. I have to interview more queens, you know, interview more queens. Now, that would be fun, actually. <laughs> Maybe not these queens. But <laughs> so luckily enough, attempts on his life is always a good sign that he's on the right track. But as it turns <laughs> Way out. Way to look on the positive side of things. Right. They wouldn't be trying to kill me if they didn't think I was going to figure it out. So this is where, so you guys had sort of said in one of the last ones too, like, were they not really connected? And that's why I have to feel sort of like, because you, oh, that was it. It was, why was she not, the ghoul not affected by the mind fog and blah, 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 if she didn't know. Mm, Okay. But I'm going to say that, yeah, this is where I was, just because of the way it played, I always sort of figured that she was, like, maybe they weren't directly involved, but again, it's like, oh, you're trying to kill him, I'm trying to kill him, all right, let's just rock it. Yeah, because more of us, the better, you know, kind of a thing, so... I'm like, is it okay if I come on your field trip? Yeah, exactly. Right? So I was like, there could be that either that she could have some defense against it naturally as a ghoul, or that maybe she has a somewhat of an arsenal against or and or maybe, you know, that she was going after a wizard, maybe. So again, I don't maybe the, know. Maybe the spell can be specific to who it attacks. Like Or maybe We want these group here, but here are exceptions. Right. Like, I don't know. But I mean again, <laughs> sort of the way Every day the villainous world wakes up and they're like all right, who wants to kill Harry Dresden today? Bus A. <laughs> Don't forget to clock in. <laughs> your own employer right. will bill you for your time paid. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, the same way. And I think this is part of why I also, just because the way he kind of clumps them together here. Because he's like, she could be separate from it. But again, it seems awful coincidental. So she's kind, you know, so right. exactly. Even if she's not directly part of that same group, I figure there's, yeah, got to be at least... In the moment, there was some kind of collaboration or something, right? Some kind of relation. Yeah, because, yeah. And or because she was already dressed up like as a Walmart. Because in Harry Squirrel, everybody sort of is linked together anyway. Together anyway, somewhere. But it's secretly plotting easier that way. If you don't have ten thousand things to bring together, it's like it was all just two things in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, you can't figure out what the where the chlorophene's involvement comes from either. It's sort of he he does figure out that it's a construct for for an outside awareness. So it's not actually. It's a consequence of shopping at Walmart, (laughs) right? 
So yeah, so he's like, the whole frost thing seems to point very definitely towards win winter, but that could also be a deliberate red herring to make it look like winter. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, but then yes, he does things like it was smarter and it like, you know, there was a plan in place and it herded me and trapped me. And right, so he starts thinking again, kind of like how Grum was a little more savvy for your average ogre or whatever. He's like, this is a little more savvy for just an, an average plant monster that really should be a lot more than plant smash or whatever, right? <laughs> So yeah, that's when he figures out that it's something controlling it. It's the um, a construct of something with higher sentience, higher intelligence, da-da-da-da-da, right? And brings it into be one of the lady. Yes. I, yeah. I really think that I really appreciate how uh, Butcher sort of set up the set up this whole moment for the him figuring out that Murphy could kill this monster easier because of her not being attached to the fairy courts and the, and the queens can't actually yes. do that. But I think that, like, and I didn't even think about it until he says it in there, but the lore is so well set up in the earlier part of the books that it's just, like, just makes this really great moment. Like, oh, that's so cool. Well, yeah, yeah, that's why right. it plays out so well, because like we say all the time, like, Butcher brings in a lot of different fae worlds into one, our world, right? He's like, if there, if we can all imagine 35 different fantasy creatures, why can't there be 35 different fantasy creatures in the same book, right? right. Yeah. But he sets up the lore so well that it's like, you know, even though it's all fantasy and make-believe, the rules say that this fantasy is okay, so. And there is nothing that's throwaway. All the mm -hmm. details end up being pertinent somehow. Yeah. Rarely, if ever, which is why it's so tricky to <laughs> figure out yeah, whether was it's that five bucks from now. Right? So you never know if that old man, he helps sit down in Walmart, is just an old man, he helps it down in Walmart, or whether it's going to be, you know, the ghoul turning around <laughs> to attack him in the next second, right? Because you went by, like, you know, there was a cashier, and there was an old man, and then there was another Walmart employee, and then boom, all of a sudden, right? Mm. So that's why, yeah, it's always very tricky to pick out, well, what what is actually the throwaway? Mm -hmm. But this all does come back, because you're right, he had, you know, he's like, makes the point, he's like, this thing was like knocking me around with my shield up, and if not for that, I would have had busted bones and whatever. But Murphy basically went like, yeah, okay, she had the chainsaw and the steel and, you know, but again, like it basically just kind of seemed to be tapping her like it couldn't really, right? And this all comes back again to that whole, the explanation they give of why the queens need the knights in the first place. So I get that they can't, like you say, this was being controlled presumably by one of the queens, so they couldn't directly take action against Murphy. So one-on-one, -on -one, it couldn't kill her or whatever. It could beat the crap out of Dresden because he's, at the moment, connected to a court. Right. But the rest doesn't apply to all the other... Grum has no problem wailing on them and killing them. Um, the ghoul thing obviously has no problem wailing on them and killing thing. We've seen other fairies or will... I don't know if we've come up as much now, but you know what I mean? So I'm like, it basically seems, obviously, it's just, just the queens can't, which, again, makes it fair, some kind of check to their power, like... You guys could wipe out the whole world with a snap of your finger, so we're just not going to let that be right, a thing. Keep the power in check. Keep the power yeah. in check. But it's like, but why do you really specifically need a mortal chant? Because obviously, I'm like, your ogres can go and kill people. All the other people in your court, you can send them out to go kill. Like, the only other thing that really has an advantage to it that I can see is that a mortal can lie. That the sheet in of themselves. But I was like, why can't they just pick any other supernatural person? They can't well, have like a fucking Well, it seems like a balance thing, because they're really into the, the, the balance between, well, first off, summer versus winter. But I think that's a, it's a more balance, checks and balances between uh, the human realm and the fairy realm. It's a further safety gap, because it, like, if the sea are just going to start handing off, because, like, the night comes from straight queen power. Mm -hmm. You get a chunk of... And Mab, you get a piece of them as that's your mantle. That's what you act on. That's what you do, right? So if they're going to go hand a portion of their mantle to Leah or Grum or Billy Goat, blah, blah, blah. vampire or... Oh, but if they give it to another supernatural being or specifically another fae, who's to say that they couldn't grow it and become a queen themselves or unserve it? Whereas if you give it to a human, well, the human can't go and become a queen no matter what. Well, so we've got to give someone... can call upon a fairy as well, so they can actually just outright control them. My point is, though, is that when you, a queen has to decide to share their power, yeah. it seems a little safer to choose just a human, then, over 
another fae creature, mortal, blah, 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 whatever. I do under, I guess, but I still don't know that I, I mean, on the one hand, they wouldn't necessarily have to share that much power because a fae already has, like, take, not somebody as high up as Leah, but like you say, we've got Toot Toot who's on the very low scale that doesn't have a lot, and then you've got, like, as he keeps referring to the high she's, so the ones we saw in around Maeve's court, people like Leah that have all this power, much more, you know, can fake being humans and things like that, and have enough power of their own and stuff like that. So I was like, like, Leah doesn't really need any of Mab's power to go kill Murphy. Needs, no, but that's just part of the night. The night you just get a yeah, portion of the power. Yeah, but that's what I mean, though. I was like, it just seems that... So it would be bad to give Leah, who's already, she comes above the ladies. She's yes. only second to Mab. So why would Mab give her more power? That's what I mean is you don't even have to. You wouldn't have to give And I'm it. telling you, it's not a choice. If you have a knight, you get the power. Mab doesn't choose. I'm not giving you any power. If you're a knight, you get the mantle. Okay. That's it. Why does she need a knight is my point. Why do they need a knight? And why does it have to be specifically a mortal? I understand I for the reasons they gave of the queens. But I'm like, you've got an entire nation of other things that can go kill people for you. And much more effectively than... That's than, not fun. Okay. Then, then it's not fun. They like their human pets. Then Slade could on any given. No, like there, this yeah, is, is that. That's true. This is my point, right? Like we've seen the the Grimalkin or whatever that led him. He's like they're nasty, vicious little killers, right? It was like if you met up with Grimalkin in a dark alley, you're not coming out on the top side of that. And so it's also easier to manipulate humans than but the Grimalkin. You, but not if they're beholden to you know what i mean like that's the thing is when they're part of your court there is a whole part of so there's like the ogres he's like are kind of the free range <laughs> i think they also really like manipulating the and free maybe, will maybe but you know what i mean it just to me as we went through this part i was kind of like like when you first get the explanation you're like oh, okay they have to have a mortal because they can't just go pick on the humans but then i was like but wait a minute literally everything else seems to be it's just the queens have that and maybe some other entities we haven't met. But, you know, again, just the queens can't, but everything else in their kingdoms can do it. And the red court vampires can do it. And the black court vampires can do it. And the white court vampires. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, what do you need specifically? It has to be mortals to give power to when there's, like, a billion other things that you could be like, just go kill this guy. And that would love to. You know? I mean, again, again okay, fine. Slade, here's the only one we've seen. He's a vicious heroin addict and maybe, you know, doesn't give a shit about pushing people down the stairs. But... You know, depending who else, like this Ronald Rule guy does not sound kind of like the same vicious sociopath that Slate is, you know? So it was like, it'd probably be a lot easier to say, hey, Grimalkin, go eat that person, than to be like, hey, Ronald Rule, I need you to go, like, kill this person. Like, well, why? <laughs> you know? I just thought that was, and maybe we'll find out more later, maybe there's something else to it, maybe I'm missing. But to me, I was just like, wait a minute, this feels like a slight flaw in the plan. This, like, doesn't actually have to be the only solution to get around this is that it has to be a mortal person that they give power to. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. I still think it's a balance thing. So Dresden continues thinking about what's happening and, and a storm shows up, one from the north and one from the south, and combining this sort of weird freezing, freezing rain happens. And yeah. suddenly there's tornado watches on the TV and Billy is like, this is not natural, this is it? This is not natural, no. is it? But I love the little shout out um, that they get um, a truly unprecedented event, an enormous Arctic blast that came charging like a freight train through Canada. Whoop, because that's all we're going to give you is just charging blasts of like Arctic wind. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and then, yeah. For some reason, I have like <laughs> the like, Flight of the Valkyries and, and, and the Canadian National Anthem <laughs> combined at the same time. <laughs> Right. Da, 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 That's pretty much da, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is pretty much it. Riding in on our, yeah. Oddly enough, again, it has managed to happen right here in Chicago, conveniently enough. So it comes whipping the hot air up from the Gulf of Mexico and all the cold air down from the Arctic and boom, mega big storm. What does it mean? It means we're running out of time. Thank you so much to our Patreon subscribers for your generous support. It's people like you who help us keep doing what we're doing. If you're not yet a Patreon subscriber, sign up today and get a fuck ton of bonus content, kick-ass merch, behind-the-scenes outtakes, and more. Sign up today at patreon.com slash freeflowrambling. Chapter 23 Dresden goes to Lake Michigan and summons his godmother Leah to bring him to the Summer and Winter Queens. 
Leah brings him instead to Chicago over Chicago and shows him the truth of the war between the two courts. So yeah, he drives out of town a ways, sits up by the lake, and uh, uh, <laughs> I, love, I just love it. I love it. He like calls her. A sudden appearance appeared beside me. A woman's voice said, "Honestly, child, it isn't the far away. There's no reason to shout." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Poof. Pops up. <laughs> she has his like just tabs on him. I think like, right, right. Like, dude, I'm right here. Like, holy fuck, why are you right there? <laughs> But there's a couple of interesting things here. She's like Santa Claus knows when he's doing things you know, right. naughty or nice. Preferably always naughty as far as Lee is concerned. <laughs> yes. It's it's an interesting little detail here about when he's calling her up. So he's focusing his thoughts, um, lifted his arms. And this I can't help Research. but feel is a callback to um, in Grave Peril. Yes, that's when he kept having all the weird dreams. Grave Peril. And he had the one... About when he first went to Leah and asked for power and she had him all chained down and like digging nails into his chest or something and this, that and the other thing. But here he's like, he lifted his arms, wrists out so that the old pale round scars on either side of the big blue veins there felt the rain falling on them. So I was like, as far as we know, Harry's never been suicidal, and we've never heard about a suicide attempt from Harry. Oh, right. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. But he does, right? But he's, this is the first time I've ever seen him mention these these pale, round scars on either side. So he's talking about, you know, whether the big blue veins, he just said arms, Could, wrists out, wrists out. Yeah. So she required his blood, wasn't it? So yeah, so I'm like, is this like scars from like being manacled by Leah? Did she kind of do a sort of wrist-slitting thing to collect some of that blood and power for him, obviously non-fatally. Does this have to do with more of, like, Justin's sadistic training or something like that that he had? Like, it's just interesting. They've never really been just sort of mentioned almost as background here, but I was like, oh, but Justin's never mentioned them before, so... And And he doesn't again. And he doesn't again. And the fact that he's doing it as he's calling out to Leah, again, makes me think that, yes, this is something to do with the, the... the bargain or whatever he originally made with her for power. So, yeah, I was like, ooh, creepy. I just, I also keep thinking of, like, um, The Craft. That's the movie, right? Right. With Robin, Tunney and all them, but yeah. Yeah, oh, they, I also like that, okay, Leah's standing in the water like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit blasphemous, but I was like, of course she did. Yeah, she Yeah, did. that's what I mean. It's like, she <laughs> kind of comes up and he's like, he's like, she's kind of standing there, but like, moving, like, as the water kind of bobs and ripples a little bit, she kind of, right? So it's, it is like, she's literally like, it's not just like hovering above it. Because she's like, with every move the water <laughs> makes, she kind of moves a little like bit. She's with, not standing she's not, on a water bed or something. Yeah, but she's not like <laughs> falling through it. She's not, you know. Exactly. Um, but she's come nice and tall because she's almost the same height right now. But instead of all dark and angular like he is, she's all pretty and flowy and has this um, nifty belt, nifty belt on her knife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a nifty knife through her belt. So he's like, good evening, Godmother. You're as lovely as the stars tonight. And she's like, oh, please, such a flatterer. Such a flatterer. You know, what do you want? She's like, <laughs> she's like, she's like, I'm already enjoying this more than the last conversation. She's like, yeah, well, I'm not dying this time. <laughs> she's like, mm, matter of opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it quickly turns interesting because he's like, well, okay, so coming off of this um, conversation with Aurora several chapters ago when she was doing the whole like, Godmothers are meant to influence you. They're meant to raise you. They're the whole reason for your whole spiritual whatever yeah. background journey. Like the whole point of having a godmother uh, historically is that they are supposed to guide you to become the best version of your spiritual self, whatever religion, <laughs> they, whatever. They were just there to help with yeah. If your parents could not or would not for some reason fulfill those responsibilities, the they're supposed to step was there up to though. That, yes. And, and he's like, whatever, she's never done anything for me. And she's like, oh, really? But this is the first conversation, the first time we're seeing Leah since that since whole then. revelation or uh, reminder. Perspective. Perspective, <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah, like, I don't know, just the whole, like, mm, almost respect or authority that is in this conversation that hasn't been there before with Leah. Mm-hmm. It just seems to suddenly be palatable. Like, he's maybe palpable. I, I see, you're right, there is some of that. I also would say a touch of that could be because he has come looking for something. 
So he's like, maybe I can't, like, you know, all the other times we met her, basically, he was trying to... Go away, Leah. Yeah, he was like, go away, wiggle his way out. She's on the hunt. connive. Now he's like, so, godmother, my, you're beautiful tonight. I need a favor. (laughs) You know, so he's like, maybe the best way to ask for that is not to be as obnoxious and sarcastic and, you know... We get this interesting flip of her, her point of view of how she... She's uh, how she outright says she's only had his best interest at heart. Yeah, and he's like, and, oh, excuse me, <laughs> like, and, and it makes sense. Except she doesn't have morality. So, yeah, well, and it's it's again, it's a little bit just like you know, um, Dresden depends who's asking. The crooks think you're one thing. The streets thinks you're this. The fairies think you're this. The vampires think you know what I mean. You're all of those things. It just depends who's looking at you and what they're seeing. And I mean, even when you go back to what he overheard. The changelings there. What did I call them? The Disneyland funeral crew? Um, (laughs) You know, because, uh, you know, because Vix is like, was he supposed to be one of the good guys? And it's Acer Smee is like, well, that depends. You know, a lot of people he interacts with ends up dead. And it's like, true. Like, again, if you don't know the whole story beside that, you know, you don't know it was a magical, mystical creature. You just see him shoot a guy or blow up a guy or drop a car on a guy. You know what I mean? Right? So it's all this... Um, but yeah, but she is, is very much like, you know, again, her, her side, her perspective of it, that Dresden isn't, you know, he knows from his, it's like, you keep trying to turn me into like a dog, but, she's like, but you would have been very safe there. You would have been a very happy dog. Been, right? You would have, your needs would have been looked after. You would, you know, you would have had lots of high, you would have had running and play and a cat, you'd be, right? You'd be perfectly safe and not in this shit that you're in now. And he's like, <laughs> fair point. However... And, and she's like, you know, I look after you all along. And he's like, what have you done? Like, what have you ever? And this is interesting because this goes back to that conversation, too. So she's like, um, I just helped you out, like, earlier. And she brings on the voice of the the old lady neighbor who was like, get out of these hallways, you have fruits, I'm going to. And we had this whole conversation, which I'd sort of forgotten about at the time. Well, I couldn't really say also because it was like, you know, at this point. But um, we're like, why didn't she let Harry stick around and investigate the apartment or whatever, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, the whole point is because the cops were actually coming then. Because originally I was like, but I know, like, I knew she faked that and she faked, like, the sirens, right? But I was like, oh, no, wait, but he did actually legitimately pass the cops when he left the apartment building. Because that's when he all made the point about driving city, you know, and I was all like, it's so funny. Let's wonder the cops ever catch anybody because... You know, again, I'm like, how many times are you driving down the street and cops pass you? And you're like, well, how do I know I didn't just come from the same area as the crimes? You know, they just drive past you to go where they're going. They don't bother about the 10 million people that are just ordinarily driving on the road, right? But it was like, yeah, but the cops were actually coming then. Whereas at the Walmart, that was where she faked the sirens to get rid of, like, the shooters and the other... Because, again, the fairy beings don't all like sticking around. And so, yeah. He kind of argues with her about what what she's been doing is really actually for him entirely and, and like she tries to use Amarachius as the, the <laughs> example giving oh, that yeah. t- and, and and um she's like oh that had nothing to do with you and everything to do with other things like it was just business <laughs> yeah. yeah I was like that just worked out yeah. well in my favor <laughs> uh, but, but I, I really like this this sort of reinforcement of of equality and power dynamics with the, the the fairy court because Leah does admit that she had to do something to balance the power for Mab because she ended up with, the, with because of that knife because that she of received that knife, yeah. ended up with way too much power. Yeah. So she had to do something in return. Got a little bit too like, big for her okay. britches in the court there. Yeah. Well, and exactly. And this is the thing. So he's like, she got the knife and she basically traded Amarachius for it. And he's right. like, wait, those things are on the same level. So right there, like he know he has no idea what this knife is, well, but he knows how much power Amarakius has. Bianca said as much at the party when she was given Amarakius for it. She's like, "This is a worthy gift in reply, right?" Well, okay, so yeah, it's like pretty like hefty right off the bat, right? Like yeah. that could also be words, words, words too. With you know, I mean, it was, either way, we know now both sides are aware that yeah. this is. Hefty. But yes. Well, and with this whole conversation, too, we we realize that Leah has a way bigger perspective than Dresden has, and he's just seeing a very, very small, small piece of the puzzles here. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, yeah, because he was all like, oh, you know, you're trading my bargain away, or you're you're just selling me off to whatever, and then she's like, "Mm, that wasn't my call, though, you know, she's like, I wouldn't, but that's what Mab chose as the balance to this other thing. So considering I was, you know, I was like, and leave her with a lot of choice but to take that deal mm-hmm. right harry doesn't say shit to that though he's standing there and he's like wait amarachius was a good deal for the yes knife 
he doesn't say shit about, wait, I'm a good deal to the knife? Yeah, uh, right. I'm on the yeah. same level as Amorakis? <laughs> like, wait a second, Because that's what? three things that have been traded now for this thing. And Leah's fucking sitting pretty because, like, Michael still got to walk home with Amorakis, right? <laughs> and, like, I mean, Mab's kind of got Dresden right now, but Leah's, like, the one being summoned right now, and she's still got him a little yeah, well, bit, Well, she's right? still his god, right? She's, she's still his godmother, so she's yeah. still got some link and whatever other stuff to Harry. Yeah, yeah. she's the second um, most powerful like say, f- like, uh, fae right now. You know, yeah. she, she got to use the sword to trade for the thing. Yeah, she didn't the need other, to keep the sword. She the, got the knife out of it. She still gets yeah. to keep Harry out of it. And then the it. other guy still got it back, so it's not like Michael's really specifically gunning He's for hunting her, for her anymore, yeah. Because it's like, he actually got it back, so she's like, ha like, She's fantastic. Anymore. She's and good. And she still gets to keep the knife that she actually... Yeah, exactly, right? Like, Leah's not in a bad position. But yes, that is a fair point. Oh, is Bianca like, dead? That really sucks for her. Oh, <laughs> Oh, man. But anyways, so yeah, you're right. That's a fair point that Harry's not like, wait, I'm on it's a weird thing though for Mab to have asked for Harry of all things. That's weird, and he doesn't yeah. care at all. He's just like fairies fuck around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fairies fuck yeah, around, he, and Harry finds out. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's funny that you're right. He doesn't put two and two together in that sense. I mean, mm-hmm. again, it's like three phase, so maybe he's thinking like, well, I have to keep doing stuff. It's not just, but like he said, like, oh, even three favors is still a pretty big thing that's to wait up to, to what wait. those things are. Yeah. So, anyways. After all this, and he's like, well, I was kind of hoping to make a bargain with you. And you're like, Harry, Harry, Harry. Like, I get, I understand this is why you came, but I'm like, just saying it that way. I was like, have we learned nothing? <laughs> like, this whole entire conversation is about how it keeps getting screwed over and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, you don't really do anything to look out for me. You keep trying. Okay, so can we do this one more? You just traded everything away to Mab. You and I are mostly free and clear. Let me get back into debt with you, Leah. Literally. <laughs> Cannot so, help himself. No. And it's it's hilarious, right? Because she's like, all right, fine. Give me your hand. He's like, I need my hand. I need both of my hands. And she's like, no need. <laughs> well, and it's not unreasonable that she would actually ask for his hand. <laughs> well, I was going to say, she tried to take um, Susan's eyeballs, right? You know, like, exactly. It's like, most of us are exactly like, when someone says, give me your hand, you get, you're like, oh, yeah, right. You got to look at the whole other thing. Like, I need my hand, Godmother. I need both of them. All I'm thinking about <laughs> is a couple chapters ago, Tanza's notes were like, Teehee, in the spot where it's like the chloroform waved his stumped arms. <laughs> oh, yes. I love a good dad joke. <laughs> Stumps. Baha. Yes. Even Dresden acknowledged that one. <laughs> He's like, get it. But I'm Stumps around. Um, yes. So then she's like, no, 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 no. She's like, I'll I'll convey you or whatever. This is a freebie. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, exactly. What cost? Fairies don't do anything for free. Yeah. He's like, they don't. Don't buy it. Mm -mm, Nope. (laughs) Well, even then she says, she's like, okay, someone will pay it. But like nothing to worry about. Yeah. Which is like. I wouldn't go through that. Then, yeah. for all you know, that is Susan's eyes then. <laughs> like, He's just like, all right, well, not my problem. Well, she does imply that it's been paid. Yeah. Not that it's going to be, right? Because he's like, because she's like, yeah, oh, fine, a, none to mother. you. Yeah. And he's like, okay, who? And she's like, no one you know or knew. So then he's like, okay, so that again. So whether it's the eyeballs yeah. or not, somebody's already paid that price. <laughs> So it kind of hints that too that Dresden is like the sort of this legacy in the terms of the fairy world. Like he's being he's born Whoa. into this world. Which yes, it's not yeah. like he's stumbling into it now. And we've they already had the mention, right? Like he's already been called Starborn and stuff like that or whatever at some point. So we none of us knows what that is, or including Harry. But again, right? It's like there's all these tiny little breadcrumbs hmm. to, and that's the thing is like, and I mean, I get, I sort of get it because. You know, we all are sort of like that. We're like, well, I'm not that special. I'm just me, you know. Um, but again, right, Dresden sort of doesn't really think, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a little bit more bad. You know, again, as far as, like, raw punches go, I'm kind of brawny for a wizard or whatever. But, hey, that happens, you know, sometimes with whatever, right? But it's like all these little breadcrumbs that Harry never seems to put together, you know, that everybody else are like, hey, I know you're kind of a big deal. And he's like, nah, not me. <laughs> you know, maybe my mom was, you know, but I don't really know anything about her. And, right? So... Well, again, we, we kind of, the books, it's hard to find that line where he goes from infamous to famous, right? Yeah. But at some point, that draw definitely does go on. and <laughs> Right. So, yes, he finally, yes, she finally convinces him, again, talking about when she helped him out by mimicking the neighbor and pretending to be the cops coming and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, okay, fine. So he finally agrees. So, well, and she does give him assurance that, that she's still bound to his agreement, even though... The, which I did yeah. think was interesting, considering she then had to trade the dead away to Mab. Like, okay, it's fine, it works out to Harry that she couldn't immediately come, but I mean, part of the only reason that she could pick on him or whatever is because he was in debt to her, not paying up his end of it. 
But you kind of think once he paid that away, like, fine, there's nothing stopping her from picking on him, but the only reason she could or was allowed or whatever was because he owed her, but you don't. So I just found that interesting, that that part of the bargain that is still, still in place. she's still stuck with it. She's still think, stuck with that part, I think that's yeah. kind of fair, though, because it's like, you can trade away your portion of the bargain all you want, but you can't trade away Harry's portion of the bargain. Mm-hmm. Harry could potentially trade that's away true. his no-harm thing to, like, Murphy, and then Leah can't attack Murphy anymore. But that's true. There you go. Right? That's fair. Yeah. But it's, it's, it wouldn't really be fair for Leah to just be like, I can't hurt you for several weeks, but I traded that to this pig. I promise not to hurt the pig, and now I can attack you, Harry. <laughs> well, but I was trying to say part of the reason she could attack him was because he was really, you know, but I know, but that that's what I'm saying, though, is that he doesn't owe her that debt either, that she doesn't necessarily. But that's yeah. what I'm saying, though. It's, it wasn't her place to yeah. trade away his portion of the bargain, yeah, right? That's fair. That's true. So. Which is why he had to go through and then make the deal with Mad that she couldn't hurt him for anything other than <laughs> spite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, yes, close your eyes. Uh-oh. Just come on, Harry. Like, fuck. So, next thing he knows, they're in this otherworldly place. Yes. And Lee is all suddenly all, like, soft and, like, whispery and, like, hushed and... Mysterioso. Yes. She explains that this is Chicago over Chicago. And that it's the place between Chicago and Ferry. Mm-hmm. And this, I know, is just going to be, like, another book, movie, character thing. But I don't know. I find this interesting because he's like, he's, he starts filling in, you know, like landmarks and buildings and visuals. And he's like, this, I'm like, you know what? If you showed me an empty picture of my city, I would not be able to look at the empty ground and be like, oh, that's where that skyscraper is. Oh, you know, maybe you might have a touch more of like a skyline shot or something. You're like, oh, there's mountains back there. I know we've got these buildings and you can see the mountains. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wouldn't like be able to recognize he, like, it without... He does this at other parts in the books for things too. You know, he's like, oh, I filled in this here. Or I imagined how that looked then. And I really, you know, like, and I was like... This has got to be, like, a, a movie. I'm like, again, unless you're, like, Rain Man about it or something like that. I'm like, I don't see anybody else just being... Like, again, he's like, it's a cloudscape. And you're adding literally everything into it. So I'm like, it really has to be just, like, the ground, you know? So I'm like, maybe some hills and some trees. and You know what I mean? But I'm like, how the fuck are you, like... Oh, yeah, this is exactly a replica of Chicago. <laughs> like, you're fucked. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's a cool point for the story, but I'm like... Um. But yes, it's a nice little, as you say, balance, synchronicity. We have Chicago, and then we had under Chicago, we had Undertown, and now oh, we've right. got Chicago over Chicago. Right, I just so didn't even think about t- that. Yeah, this, like, yeah right. So, right, exactly, right? Okay, so but, we- like, in future chapters, like, uh, another couple chapters, he goes on to say, like, the Never Never includes everything. You've yes. got Olympus or Elysium or Heaven or Hell or Tartarus, like whatever yeah. is in, on our world is in the Never Never in some iteration of it, theoretically. But this, over Chicago, not the Never Never. Sort of this blended it, place. She's like, this is not Never Never, so it's like Heaven, Hell, everything else that we can possibly imagine that is in our fantasy world. You know, if Peter Pan wants to go off to Never Never Land, that's in the Never Never, right? Yeah. If fucking you know, Darnia, that's gotta be in the Never Never. Whatever's not on Earth is in the Never Never, yes. in some construct, whatever. But this over Chicago is its whole other, like, this is like, this is like a demiplane, blah, blah, like, this has nothing to do with another world. This is just what yeah, like, sits on top. Call like, it how do you... Forth. Well, that's the thing. It, it's a sort of, because, yeah, I think you're right. She does call it sort of a between place or something. Yeah, but she's, like, very specific. She's like, this isn't the Never Never. So the fact that you can have everything else be the Never Never, but this specifically, and again, this is the whole, like, you know, where the, the summer courts are complete, or the fucking winter court. Fairy courts <laughs> of summer and winter are both, like... This is where they basically, like, decide whether or not the world gets to live tomorrow or not. It's like, kind of yeah. a weird neutral ground. Yeah, like, it's, like, in no way... How is it? How, how is that palatable? Like, because like again, moving to the future episodes about the outsiders. Like, where does this fall in then? Like, what? Where is the edge yeah. of? Where is the and edge of reality then? With this now being a thing. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I guess maybe it's not like it's not just the never never, but it's not. It probably got to still be in some, but it's it's not sort of a naturally occurring like the other places. I guess that's where they exist in their other planes or other dimensions is what we refer to as the never never. But yeah, he does. Leah does explain that they call this forth. So maybe it's just the fact that it's not, it's only there when they bring it into being and so it's not just Okay, like, so like D&D this, this doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. oh, this isn't a place in the Never Never. It doesn't exist. They just occasionally create this space and then it's not, and you'll never get back there until the two of them have to create it again. So right. maybe it's more that way. D 
D&D. I'm curious. Well, I was going to say, I was like, with the way the D&D works, right, is that there's like, specifically, in the, I don't know if you play D&D, but in the specific rules of D&D, you've got several different planes. There's the Hell Planes, and there's the Fey Realm, and there's the regular world, and there's all these different things, but wizards can also just cast a spell Demiplane. That's your own little pocket space. You and your friends can go hang out there for a minute as long as you need to hide from everyone else, but then once you exit it, it doesn't exist anymore. So it's almost like the fairies are like, this doesn't, this isn't part of like the nine realms it's, of the earth. It's just when we need a minute, we've got a minute. And when we don't need a minute, it's not there. Yeah. And yeah, I would say exactly. It's probably say, yeah, their own little pocket dimension that they can create, but does not exist. Like you say, when this isn't happening, they'll oh, yeah. never be able to get there again. Whereas in theory, you know, Dresden could just mm-hmm. walk into Hades if he chose to, you know? Because supposedly that just exists somewhere all the time, yeah. and that's a thing he could, in theory, do. Right. But in theory, yeah. it could happen. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, interesting. I don't know. But he recognizes, he looks around, and he figures this is Chicago or Chicago, looks around, sees this great big giant stone table, and he's like, oh, I recognize it. Erna's like, I've heard about this. Ebenezer called it the stone table. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> <laughs> Again, um, speaking of Narnia. <laughs> All right, Aslan. Um, but yes, so this is where we get into some of the... So they've called this place for This is where power spill becomes a permanent part, or blood spill becomes a permanent part of... So we understand, So yeah, we figure out that it's um, um, half of the year it's in summer's control, half of the year it's in winter's control. Makes sense. The summer solstice, the winter solstice. Okay. And we do the shift back the and shift, forth. The shift, the back and forth, the balance of everything, right? And so stuff that happens... And so Dresden's all like, oh, so say if perhaps a wizard's blood got spilled, that yes, they would take all of that power and magic that that wizard had, and that would belong to that queen in that court. And he's like, mm, not good. Right, and Leah even says, like, that is like such a loaded statement, this one. Child, should you survive this conflict, do not let Mab bring you here. Never. Yeah. Like, I think that is like, well... Big neon lights there, big yes. neon lights. Like, this is very yes. important for later. And again, much as Leah would love to have him sucked in and all kinds of entangled and entrapped in the, you know, and she's like, do not let me, like, serious, for realsies here. And you should be afraid when, when not, Leah when is Leah the one. Is the, mani- well, the, the huge manipulator that she's huge like, Huge manipulator. Not and, uh, and again, and she's always, you know, as good as, you know, takes it and gives it out as good as she can with Dresden and stuff like that, you know, where she tends to be a lot of like, sort of lippy and blasé and, you know, and I mean, when she's like, you know, it's almost like when, when he first had the discussion with Bob, and he's leaving and he's like, Bob basically gets serious for a moment and is like, Harry, be careful. And he's like, shit, Bob, don't do that, <laughs> you know? And now Leah's like, do not ever let Mab bring you here to this thing. Well, again, like, what, last episode or the one before that, right? Like, the bus of villains all going off to kill Harry. Like, she's taking her own limo there. Like, yeah. she doesn't want anyone else to get that dig in. She's like, listen, buddy, like, no. Nah, well, like, you are mine. I don't want anyone else getting see, the job on you. That, I don't even feel like that. It's just... It's true, though. She wants yeah, it well, for I mean, herself. Okay, yes, that's part of it. But, but yes, this is extra scary. But I was going to say, if she's going to say, don't ever let Mal, then obviously he's like, well, we're going to go here with you or whatever. But anyways, yes, it, it basically, it gives you that big, this is important feel to it. Mm-hmm. And he still doesn't entirely understand what this means. She still kind of has to, and she, well, she doesn't even explain. She kind of pushes him towards it a bit more in trying to figure out. So he kind of gets that there's there's power involved, um, but he's like, I just don't get why the table itself is so important. Um, so then she's like, okay, well, you have to look and see. Right. And so he tries to look, and he can't really. It's he just, just overwhelming. Yeah, he's he, he's like, it's, there's, it's veiled or something I can tell, and she's like, no, you gotta see. And he's like, ah, shit. Oh, right, right. Yes, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so, yeah, so obviously she's like, you gotta use your sight. So he gives us, you know, the usual little rundown on that. But yeah, does that, and just about, like, blows the top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets a look, and the look, at the queen's. Because nothing to shield it, nothing to hide it, nothing them, to veil it. They're all naked power, which is this literally awesome. Human brains aren't for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and just the yeah, words can't describe the beauty and purity and light and whatever. Well, I like the the, the, the how he describes the landscape with, with like a giant chessboard with the table at the center, like how it just sort of ends up sort of being this checkered thing, but it's like it really is this big giant game of chess back and forth every single time that they do these these yeah and exactly shifts in power. They're each clawing for a space or whatever, right? So exactly, you know, if I can get this space here, well then you can take this space here. Well, and I take that, you know, it's like that. What's the other game? SOS. So yes, so like you say, is the chessboard. This is all and and 
Leah says, ultimately, though, they cancel each other out. Like, as powerful as they are, and they're both, eventually, though, they are equal opposite to each other. Yeah, they have that perfect balance of power. Perfect balance of power. So no matter what, it is going to be this checkerboard. They're going to have half white, half black, that's it. So something else needs to tip the scales, and that's where the rest of it comes in. Well, and she even mentions the, the, the how much power each each wields vast power, wizard power, to rival the archangels and lesser gods. Like, this is just how much they have. That, too. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, they are lesser gods themselves. Yeah. Basically, yeah. They're not just, you know, fey folk. No, these are They're, beings of... They're not little tutu pixies. <laughs> no. They are literally, you know, and again... Well, that's what they're saying about this whole thing, though, is that, like, they are holding the balance of the world in their hands. If Tatiana gets any any power over Mab, whatever, if she gets it, then that's it. Like, plague forever. It'll grow, and it'll feast, and it'll fester, or Mab, and it gets to be, you know, eternal ice age forever, well, right? this like, is probably why it's so important that the queens can't actually go out of their way just to kill people. Exactly, kill yeah. Like, well, it is. Without and, having and that, I get that. that intermediary. I'm, I'm intermediary, yeah. I'm Thanks. still just wondering a little bit about the validity of it having to be immortal, but that's all my point. <laughs> I, get, I get that there needs to be someone why they can't have that power. I'm just a little like, hmm. But it's okay. It's a mechanism. We need it. But yeah, exactly. That, that again, as stated before, the fairies are the closest to our... Like you say, you've got heaven and hell and Hades and Tartarus and, you know, but they yeah. are further removed, whereas the fairies are the closest. And henceforth, why they're a summer and winter court is because they have that very immediate effect on the summer and winter of our lives kind of thing. So rain of toads or big nasty storms and hail and tornadoes and whatever, right? Is that it's the immediate impact right here, right now. It's not like the vague ripples way the hell out. It's like, no, this is where it starts from. Just about. Well, Dresden sort of gets, finally understands what position that he's been put in because of this war that's happening. It's not necessarily the, the Queens that will be doing all of this yeah, action. It'll be the ladies, the knights, and the emissaries. emissaries. Oh yeah, that's you, buddy. Suck. Yeah, and he's like, fuck Suck. no. No, no, hell no. <laughs> right? And exactly, that's when he kind of starts to realize, as he can see, you know, that, that Summer's holding the table for now, and that Mab's trying to come in around, and realizing that when they're talking about this power being spilled, that exactly, it's even if it's winter's turn, if summer gets the power, now there's no longer that equal balance. I think he describes it as being like two coils against each other or whatever too, and if they slip, all of a sudden that's going to be released, right? So <laughs> they could say they hold each other in perfect, you can't move well, essentially, they like, can't push each other more than one way or the other, so it's where all this other, so if they one or the other suddenly gets this extra power, he's bad. It's no longer an equal balance. Yeah. Essentially when you're sitting at the 11th hour, it's all good and fine that Summer's got it right now because Summer is supposed to have it, right? And if it's like 11.55 and Summer's got it, that's okay. And if it's 11.56 and Summer's got it, that's okay. And it's 11.57. But if it hits midnight and Summer's still got it, the whole world is gonna go kabooey. Yeah. Right? It's got to click over to winter at midnight and the problem is is that right now, the clock's not ticking, right? Yeah. So or exactly. Or problem with as it. what, and this is where he comes into the explanation a minute later, or if it does click over... And then, boom, all of a sudden, Winter has stolen a bunch of summer power. It's not only, you know, it's not just that they're weakened, it's they're weakened and Winter is is empowered more, right? So it's kind of like a double whammy or whatever. Well, yeah, right? no one knows what's going to happen right at midnight is essentially the problem. Yeah. Because it's supposed to keep ticking and it's supposed to naturally just become Winter's clock. Yeah, just slowly. The next six months, but unfortunately, no one knows what's going to happen at midnight, including both of the queens right both now. Both queens, which is what we asked. So he comes to and they're out of Chicago over Chicago. They're back on the shoreline. He's laying in her lap. He's like, you should have warned me. She's like, yeah, I wouldn't really done you any good anyways. How, how do you prepare someone for that? Really, <laughs> he's like the fact his mind isn't melted is insane. Yeah. He should be like the most psyche attack. Like you're done, boy. <laughs> like right, like just shredded. Which again, comes starborn. Exactly. I was like, this is where you know again Dresden doesn't give him. He just assumes who me. He just assumes that yeah, like well, if I survived it, then obviously people and must human be could survive just that. About. I was a little bit surprised that Leo was so so um, blase. Well, no, no. helpful. That she was actually. Gentle with him, oh. like she, that he does come to in her lap, and she's like, "Okay, no, well, you're good, good old now. abuser, you're good now." She, yeah, right. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine with me. You're fine. <laughs> I'm your friend. Don't ever <laughs> talk to Mab though. Oh, that bitch will fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I've done nothing but look out for your well-being and take care mm-hmm. of you, my sweet. 
Did your mom trust that on anyone, bitch? Right. <laughs> your mom chose me specifically, Harry. Take it from she your mumsy. <laughs> so yeah, so this is where he reasons out a little more after, and yes, Leah's like, so this is where all the rest of you will be, right? They can't shift the balance because they are dead equal. So it's where all you other little people pitter-patter and where the chips may fall. And he's like, screw that. I am not getting involved uh, in he- the middle of some fucked up fairy battle in the clouds. She's like, Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> He's like, but you didn't help me. He's like, I needed to speak to them, and all you did was make me look at them and like practically turn me insane. And she's like, but that should have given you more of an answer than any conversation, like actual words would have. Yeah, he, like, he looks at the behavior. You're making me think again. Yeah. It's like, can you just tell me? <laughs> and just just reviewing what the behavior is, like they that because of how they are responding to one another, there is not really any way that either of those two queens could have been responsible for it, because otherwise they would have just been like, they, they just let it happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they Pun. don't need to be act exactly right, because some are still in power. So she doesn't have anything to worry about, but she's still trying to protect it. Like, and you know, and Winter's like, well, I don't know why the fuck she's trying to protect it because I didn't. So I'm just going to have to like, you know, and exactly. Right? And especially when you've got two beings that have been, you know, checking and balancing each other for as many centuries as they have. They don't even know how not to back off right now. Right. Well, And that's the thing like, too. Like, who's it? Is it Bob? That's, Cause yeah, it's when he's talking to Bob and he's like, could be an eternal winter or an age of growth. Well, that doesn't sound bad. Well, sure not. If you're. You know, and he's like, well, what are the odds of that? And Bob's like, I've never actually seen it. He's like, I don't really know because it hasn't happened in my lifetime. And we know Bob is several hundreds of years old. What do we, I know he's a minimum of like four or five. Yeah, it's like we, four or five hundred years. Is that all we know for sure? I, I know, Bob? I know the number, but I, I don't have I couldn't remember if head. he was like a thousand or something or if Bob was just like four or five hundred years old or something too. But anyways, point being is he says something like, yeah, he's like, it hasn't happened in thousands of years. Before you even race. Like, so point B. What does he say? Something about the ice age. The last ice age is when that happened. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so it's been a while. So yeah, whether it was specifically his lifetime or not, or however old he is, he does. Yeah, he says it's like so exactly right. They're like, um, yeah, mega weird out of port. Nobody's seen this. Nobody can can say exactly what's going to happen because yeah. it's all like mm, hasn't happened in the living history of anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so bad is all we know. That's all we can say. He's. Uh, late 14th, early 15th century, Bob. Okay, there you go. At the time of the books, he's got about 600 years worth of memories. There you go. So Dresden decides that he he needs to see the mothers now. Yeah. That she's right, like, there's no point in talking to the queens. They're busy. Yeah, exactly. He's like, okay, yeah, you're right. That does kind of prove the point there. So... Um, but Leah says she, she can't do it. It's not within her abilities. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, okay, so I'm like, you can literally get up to like, the, and I mean, I know she's been referred to or whatever as basically, you know, Mab's right hand kind of a thing. And in this, how she's saying she basically, you know, got too much power that Mab had. To, so, you know, that. but I was like, but you, so obviously if you're that high in the court and you're that right up next to the actual queen, what do you mean? You can't, you have no access to the mothers or anything like but that. But to be fair, know? mothers are even above the queens in power. They are. They just sneeze and the whole world ends. And I do that. And I know he gets all upset. He's like, oh, that's beyond me. He's like, I need to speak to them. She's like, I agree. I just can't take you there. And I'm like, again, that's fine. But in another chapter or two, it's going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> but <laughs> okay. do this? Yeah. But I think it's, again, one of those things, whether or not the queens or the mothers want to be found, right? I think it's a lot more different between like, we're not letting Leah rock up on our doorstep, but if Harry wants to go and do his own shit, yeah, come talk to us, buddy. Come on. Mm. Right? It's one of those things, too, like, but Leah then, cannot walk up to their door because they're never going to let their door be something Leah can walk up to. That's fine, and she basically says that. She's like, you know, you don't just go to them. You have to, you, you answer a call or whatever, an invitation. But again, so it, no matter what, he's only getting to see them if, if they are willing and want to talk to him. So if they are willing and want to talk to him, it shouldn't matter who takes him in, really. It should be any person with access to fairy should be you know what i mean because like you say they're either they're only going to be allowed to be found or not maybe they're picky so maybe yeah i don't know i i, I think the mothers like they've it. got the most ultimate power well yes and that's what he's saying too but yeah well so fucking leah can't take him to them anyways okay so leah can't take him <laughs> um i love this 
Because she, she's like, now nah, I gotta go. <laughs> but yeah. hurry up, hurry up, and consider a haircut. You look like a dandelion. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I, I like this the, hair. New, the new haircut <laughs> joke, running joke. Right. <laughs> Like, I'm thinking you look a little like crap, Perry. Say <laughs> <laughs> when you're thrown into Walmart walls and blown up in cars and frozen and like thrown onto clouds and stuff like that, your hair's probably pretty wild, okay? Probably. Well, Maybe he just needs a comb. to himself it, for like how many months? It was also the six yeah. months of, yes. Not too, but I'm just saying, compulsive. combing his hair could solve a lot of it, most likely. Well, okay, you're fine. Thomas looks good with long hair. He doesn't have time to even <laughs> stop and comb his hair right now. So, yeah, so she just... And this would, again, be, like, a super cool, like, movie visual. Right, totally. Like, the CGI of water, that like, Yeah. Just walks into the water and turns into it. Yeah, awesome. exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so now he's busy muttering and complaining to himself yet again. <laughs> And he trudges back up, and now the car's died. Uh, of course. Uh, the now fact the that the fucking beetle made it to here is amazing, though. It, it got is. fucking it's stomped by a tree. <laughs> and I don't know for how much magic is going on right near them with the, the, the battle starting. But I think it's only wizard magic that affects them, right? Like, fairy yes. magic? They can use cell phones and shit like that. Yeah. It, oh. Yeah. It's just wizard magic that, like, technology doesn't like. Because it works on a different... It's more because it's like... I assumed it was magic in general. Yeah. Fairy magic isn't happening on our world. It is. You can see it, but it isn't happening. It's like still happening within the Never Never. But it is interesting because I thought of that too because Murphy does say when she checked out the tigress and she's like at the gas station thing, she's like the video cameras like cut out right before it happened too. So it was kind of an interesting little thing of like, so did she purposely, or because I mean, it sounds like a, uh, an instance of the same thing, like if Dresden goes to do shit, it shorts out the cameras. So does the ghoul's magic somehow affect that too? Is it just like the fairies are their own fairy mm-hmm. magic and ghoul magic and wizard magic? Uh, yeah, Ghouls maybe. are fairies. Then why did it short out the cameras? Because Harry was thinking <laughs> too hard. <laughs> across the other side of the world when he didn't know about her existence when she was about to rob a 7-Eleven and eat the cashier. Oh, that wasn't because of magic. That was because she was, like, cutting the wires. She was savvy like that. <laughs> Maybe, but just the way Murphy says the cameras also cut out right before the attacks almost made it sound more like there was the magical length of it cut. Like, that's what made me think this tigress was not I took it to a be regular scissors. assassin. I took it to be scissors. <laughs> Might have to go back and check exactly how she phrases that, but <laughs> all you really need to know, people, is that, as usual, Jessica's wrong. I'm right. No. So, I must have been called Walmart yeah. before. But the Beetle dies. It would have been more convenient at the Walmart, though, because then they could have hopped into Murphy's car and gone. Now he's out in the middle of nowhere by a lake. So now he's got to fucking walk back to right. town. <laughs> and he realizes, oh, shit, I only have 15 hours to go. Oh, God. Yeah. 15 hours to go. Which, in some ways, huh. still seems like a long time. Again, it must be, like, where Chicago is situated on. But I'm just, I feel like the full of our nights are not. Because it's, it's after dark when he and Murphy get to the Walmart. So I'm like, once you get to full dark... And sun up in our summer, it ain't 15 hours. You got like five or six or something of like dark overnight. So like we're th- like what? What do you think it is right now? Like 3 a.m., 4 a.m.? I don't know. I thought that, that they were talking earlier about, because she's like at this time of night and blah, 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 right? So we all figured it was like after midnight or whatever when, you know, because you're like, how is Aurora going out for clay? And they go to this only Walmart. And then they get back to Billy and George's and they're there long enough to order pizza. And then he talks to Meryl for a minute, and then he, like, heads out to the lake in his car. Like, I, I you know, it's like 6 or 7 a.m. Do we Plus still have 15. another day to go? It's to, it's to the next, well, maybe it's to the next sunset, not the next sunrise. So he's, like, dawn. He had till dawn. At midsummer, that meant I had maybe 15 hours. So I guess maybe the rest of this day until the next dawn. Mm, okay, maybe. So it's too big. There's too much going on. He just about, yeah, got his mind blasted with the power of the queens. And he's like, maybe this is a lot for me to do on my own. <laughs> Maybe I should try and see about getting some help, or maybe, like, let somebody else know what's going on. It's like, maybe the council would help. Maybe they'd believe me. Maybe I'd fly if I flap my arms hard enough. <laughs> right. So decides to try to involve the White Council. This concludes our episode 9.16. Get a haircut! Thank you for listening. You can find us online at freeflowrambling.com and machinellies.ca. There we have links to our other podcasts, social media, and other fun tidbits. Please subscribe if you like what you're hearing, and please consider supporting us through Patreon to keep the magic alive and to see more content. We are Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk.